Amen. Well, good morning again, and welcome to Liberty Church. We are uh, excited that you're here today. I want to say a real quick uh, hello. We are going Facebook Live this morning, so uh, for all of you Facebook folks out there, we want to just give you a special welcome joining us this morning via Facebook, and we're excited uh, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many are glad that uh, we serve a living God? Amen. And he is alive, and he is well, uh, and what an honor it is to serve him. Well, today we're going to continue a series that we began uh, last Sunday entitled The Butterfly Effect, and uh, we began to talk about, if you look at that first point on your outline, we said that the butterfly effect simply teaches us, right, that a small change can make a big difference, right? A small change can make a big difference in our life. And the, the phrase butterfly effect we learned last Sunday, uh, it's really a, 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 a term that was coined through a meteorologist in 1961 who created a weather program to begin to predict weather and basically the idea was really simple. A butterfly can flap its wings in America and can change the weather pattern in Australia because a small change can really make a big difference. And we began to talk last Sunday how that that same butterfly effect can apply to our lives. How that we can begin to allow God through the work of the Holy Spirit and through our our willingness to choose, right, to choose rightly the things that please and honor God, that we can begin to make some small changes and see a big difference. And the Lord just really reminded me this week. He said, Keith, he said the heartbeat behind this whole sermon series is that God said, I want to give people hope. I want to give people hope, and that kind of makes sense since he's the God of all hope, right? It makes sense that God would want to give people hope. But this is what he said to me. He said, I want to give people hope, he said, because so many times in our fast-paced world, it seems like the world's coming at us at about 120 miles an hour, right? And we got so many things that are happening and coming against us, challenges, difficulties, even great opportunities and successes. I mean, how many of you know that when good things happen, uh, that's a wonderful thing, but you still got to deal with it and work through it and process through it? And when bad things happen, you got to deal with it and work with it and process through it? And life seems to come at us really quickly. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Keith, so many times we as people get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed by the fast pace of our lives. We get overwhelmed by the bombardment, bombardment of all the things that are coming against us. And many times we look at our lives and we look at the world and we're like, man, this is so big and so hard and so challenging, it's almost impossible to change. And this is what the Lord said. He said, I want people to have hope. That you don't have to make monumental changes, but you can actually make small changes. Small changes in your life that can make a big difference. Small changes that you can implement today that can have a dramatic effect tomorrow in every arena of your life. And so this morning as we continue this series, I hope that God raises the hope bar, so to speak, in your life. I hope that you go to a whole new level of hope and anticipation and that you walk out of here today saying, you know what, I can change. I can change. A few weeks ago, I, we, we all said this statement together, right? We all said, I love change, right? Y'all remember us doing that together? I love change. Y'all say that with me one more time. I love change. Well, let's say it like this. Now let's say, I can change. Let's say it. I can change. Right? Isn't that good news? You and I can change. And I love change because God is ever changing my heart and my life. He's an unchanging God that's always changing me. Amen? He's an unchanging God that's always changing me. So we asked the question, if you look at that next point on your outline, we said, if you could change your life, would you? And is there anything in your life that you would like to change? And then I just added this little phrase, identify it. 
Is there anything in your life that you would like to change? Maybe it's a, a family situation, a relationship. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a spiritual situation or just a personal thing going on in your life. You say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I'd like to change this. I'd like to see something different happen here, right? I'd like to see something different happen here. Well, if that's you, and I believe that's probably all of us, right? We probably have all have areas in our life we'd like to see some change happen. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and identify it. I want you to picture one thing in your mind right now, just kind of one thing. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's spiritual. Whatever it is, just kind of get an image. Hey, here's something I would like to see change. And I want you to kind of hold on to that image as we kind of walk through this message together today. And, uh, and I want you to begin to see as God speaks to you by the Holy Spirit through the Word of the Lord today, how that one thing can change. And how it truly can change. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do astounding, amazing things in your life. And change can begin and happen today. Because God's good. Amen? All right, so let's look at that next point. So here's the good news, right? The good news, you can change. I can change. And the reason we can change is important, right? You can change because God gives every human being the power of choice. You get to choose the life that you live. God gives every human being the power of choice. You get to choose the life that you live. Now, we talked about this a little last week. We said the reality is, is very clear. Other people's choices and decisions do affect us. And other people's choices and decisions do impact our life. There's no doubt about that. But here's the reality. The whole truth is simply this. Other people's choices and decisions may impact your life, but it's your choice and your decision that determines the outcome of your life. You get to choose the life you live. Yes, other people's choices impact you, and other people's choices affect you. But at the end of the day, big picture, you get to choose the life you live. Somebody else can't do that for you. You make those choices. Amen? And so the Bible tells us that we can change, and the reason we can change is because God gives us the power to choose. Deuteronomy 30 is where we learn this truth, right? God says to the nation of Israel, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Today I give you the choice, God says, between life and death, blessing and curses. And then God says, choose life. And he says, I call heaven and earth, right, as witness together against you. And we talked about that last week. We said what that literally means is that heaven and earth, representing spiritual and natural, will honor the choices and decisions you make. Heaven and earth will bear witness to your decision. They will honor your decision. God will not violate your will. And we talked about this. We said, you know what? Right now there are people in hell that are in hell against the will of God. It's not God's will that they go to hell. It's not God's will that they reject Jesus. It's not God's will that they spend eternity separated from him. But they chose to reject Jesus Christ. And as a result of that choice, they chose to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And even though it's against the will of God, God will not violate their will. Why? Because it is your will, it is your choice that sets you apart. You're not a robot. You're a person. You are a human being who has been given the power to choose. And heaven and earth will honor your choice, right? We said everybody that jumps out of an airplane goes down. 
Nobody goes up, right? The law of gravity applies to everybody, right? Doesn't matter what color your skin is, how much money you got in the bank. The, the laws of nature and the spiritual laws that govern our world will honor the choices and decisions we make. And so God says, choose life. Choose the blessing because that's what I desire for you. Well, sometimes in the midst of our fast-paced world, uh, those choices kind of get a little, little cloudy. Sometimes the lines between white and black become gray. You ever been in one of those situations where you're like, man, I want to make the right choice, but I'm not really sure what the right, right choice is. I want to do the right thing, but I don't know if I'm really sure what the right thing is. I mean, we as human beings have an excellent ability of complicating life. Right? I mean, we can just make it difficult sometimes. And sometimes the choice is just, it doesn't seem to be that clear. But in verse 20, God gives us a clarifying verse. God gives us a clarifying principle or a rule that we can apply to our lives that will help us consistently make the right choice. So look at what verse 20 says. You can make this choice, the choice of choosing life by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. So God said this. Here, here's the way you can consistently choose life and not death, blessing and not cursing. He says the way you choose life and blessing is you choose me. You choose to love the Lord your God. Notice he didn't say that you choose a form of religion and you follow a rules and regulations for the rest of your life. No, that's not what God said. God didn't say choose religion. God said you got to choose love, which is a relationship. And so when you choose to have a daily relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ, you choose life. When you choose to obey him, which is to obey his word and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you choose life. When you choose to commit yourself to God, to his word, to his will, to his plan for your life, every time you choose God, guess what happens? You choose life and you choose the blessing every time. Even though it may not seemingly look like it's going to produce the thing you want, it will always produce the life and blessing of God over you. So God helped us out. Aren't you glad about that? He said, here's how you know you're choosing life and choosing blessing. You choose me. Choose to love me. Choose to obey me. Choose to commit yourself to me. Because look what he said, this is the key to your life. So we said there are four areas of change. The first area we talked about last week is our thoughts, and uh, I gave you some homework, right? Last week, y'all were all surprised. You came to church, you got homework, and, and I asked you to take me home with you this last week and let me uh, spend a little time with you as you kind of work through some things. I hope you did that. Uh, I saw some good things on Facebook. Some folks are doing some things with what they were assigned last week, and I want to just challenge you. Why? Because it's really important that we apply what we learn. How many of you know that it's not just the, the gathering of information, it's the applying of information that changes your life? I have a little thing that I teach uh, folks that are coming up preaching. I say information produces revelation, revelation produces application, and application produces transformation. And so until you get to application, there's no transformation. And so it's not enough that we hear the truth, right? We don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so I hope you went home, did your homework, and I hope you began to renew your mind by the word of God, right? Because we said if we're going to change, we've got to begin to think differently about the things we want to change. We've got to begin to change the way we think so we can begin to change the way we live, so we can begin to change the harvest that we receive as we begin to live the life that God has purpose for us, right? Because this really isn't just about living the life that you want. This is really about you and I living the life that God has purpose and planned for us. 
which is a good life. I mean, how many know God's got a good plan? God, through the mouth of Jeremiah, said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's got a good plan. When God thinks about you, God doesn't think bad thoughts. Y'all need to grab hold of that. When God thinks about you, he doesn't think bad thoughts. God thinks good things about you. God thinks good things for your life. God has a good plan for you. And so we've got to, number one, begin to get our thoughts in alignment. We've got to change the way we think. And today we're going to talk about the second part, which is our words. And then our actions, that'll be next Sunday. And then our attitudes will be in two weeks. Because our thoughts, our words, our actions, and our attitudes all determine our lives. And a small change, y'all say a small change. Let's say it one more time, a small change. A small change in any of these areas makes a big difference. Let's say big difference. Say it like you want one, big difference. I want a big difference in my life, right? A small change makes a big difference in my life. So let's talk today about our words. How many of you know words have power? Words are powerful, powerful things. Proverbs chapter 18 Verse 20 through 21 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Look at that next point on your outline. So last week we said we've got to change the way we think about the things we want to change. This week... We have to change what you say. You have to change what you say about the things you want to change. You have to change what you say about the things you want to change. If you will identify, and just a moment ago I challenged you to identify something, if you identify maybe a relationship that needs to change, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a parent-child relationship, I'm not sure, maybe it's a relationship with a coworker. maybe it's a relationship with somebody here in church, and you're like, man, you know what, that relationship, man, we just hit a wall, or we've stumbled along, or something's happened, and I really want to see a positive change in that relationship. Well, guess what has to happen? You're going to have to change what you say about the thing you want to change. If financially you want things to change, you're going to have to change what you say about your financial condition. Spiritually, if you want things to change spiritually, you're going to have to change what you say about your spiritual life. One of the biggest lies that I hear people say in church is this, Pastor Keith, it's just so hard to be a Christian. I never knew it was going to be this hard to live for God. And it is just so hard doing this. And it is just so hard. And it is just so hard. And it is just so hard being a Christian. Lie, 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 lie. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? See, if you feel like your Christian life is hard, you know why it's hard? Because you've been saying it's hard. It's just hard. I never knew it was going to be this hard to be free. I never knew it was going to be this hard to overcome temptation. I never knew it was going to be this hard to be pure. I never knew it was going to be this hard to be holy. I never knew it was going to be this hard to try to witness to somebody and, and try to grow in my faith. I never knew it was going to be this hard. It's not hard. It's easy. The way of the transgressor is hard. When you were drunk and stupid, that was hard. Right? When you were getting high, that was hard. Right? When you were financially out of control and the bill collectors were knocking on your door, that was hard. Right? When you were burning every bridge you ever built in your life because of your poor choices, that was hard. When the people you loved were weeping and crying themselves to sleep every night because they didn't know where you were or what you were doing, that was hard. 
When you were homeless and broke and busted and disgusted, that was hard. Jesus, easy. Come on, Jesus, easy. See, the problem is, is the words that you've been speaking. So you've got to change what you say about the things you want to change. If you want your Christian life to get easy, start saying, man, Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. The easiest thing I ever do every single day of my life is live for Jesus. It is the easiest thing I ever do. Dealing with people is sometimes difficult, but Jesus is easy. Amen? Easy. Easy. Right? You got you to begin to change what you say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. So you've got to change what you say about the things that you want to change. Let's look at our next thought. And then we're going to come back. Let, let's look at that next point and then we'll come back to that scripture. What you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. Your words create the life that you live. What you say is what you get. Your words create the life you live. So don't say what you see. Don't say what you hear in the natural. Don't say what you feel. Say what you want. Your words create the life you live, right? Death and life is in the power of your tongue. What you say is what you get. And we know that's true, right? Have you ever met a positive person? Anybody ever met a positive person? Ever met a negative person? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look. Don't look. Definitely don't look at your spouse. Eyes straight forward. Right? This is what we know about people. People that are positive, they have a positive outlook on life. They're speaking good things about themselves, about others, about their finances, about their future. You know what typically happens? Good things. Now, it doesn't mean bad things don't happen to good people. We live in a world stained by sin. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. But how many of you understand that's not the consistent theme of those people's lives? There are sporadic occasions where a good thing will happen to a bad person and a bad thing will happen to a good person. But when you really begin to look at the words that come out of a person's mouth, people typically get what they say. Positive people that speak life over their families and life over their finances and life over their future, you know what happens? They say stuff like this, man, it doesn't matter what happens, things always work out for my good. And guess what? It doesn't matter what happens, things always work out for their good. Then you got the negative person, they say, man, no matter how hard I try, nothing ever works out for my good. And guess what? No matter how hard they try, nothing ever works out for their good. What's the difference? The difference is the words. The difference is the words of their mouth. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. What you say is what you get. So let's look at the scripture. Let's back up to Romans 4, 17. The Bible says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, God is speaking to Abraham here. It says, and as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, which is God. Now, look at this last part of Romans 4, 17, because this talks about God. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead. How many are glad God gives life to the dead? As a matter of fact, God will call dead things to life. Right? One of the things that you can't learn as a pastor and a preacher from Jesus, there's one thing you can't learn from Jesus as a pastor. You can't learn from Jesus how to preach a funeral because he never preached one. Every time he met a dead person, he raised them to life. Right? You can't, you, you can't learn that from Jesus. You can learn a lot of things from Jesus. You can't learn how to preach a funeral from Jesus. He's never preached one. Why? Because he calls dead things to life. The problem is most of us call dead things dead things. 
Man, my marriage is over. It's never going to work. We're never going to get along. I can't believe we've even been together this long. Uh, we, we don't even like looking at each other anymore. We have no communication, no love, no compassion, no passion for one another. This thing is going down. It's going down fast, and I wish we could hurry up and get out of this. My kids, right? You ever have problems with your kids? People have problems with their kids, and all of a sudden, they, they start calling dead things dead things. Man, I tell you what, man, our, our relationship, man, we just don't communicate anymore. We don't see eye to eye. We can't even be in the same room five minutes without fighting with one another. And it's just horrible. And I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. They're just hard-headed and they're stubborn and they're hard to get along with. And they're just so full of themselves and full of sin and full of pride and full of arrogance. And I can't communicate with them. I wish they'd hurry up and just move on out of this house so at least we could have some peace. See, we call dead things dead. Financially, oh man, I'm just so broken, I'm busting, I'm disgusting, I'm never going to get ahead, never mind how tired I tried, I had some savings and if something broke up, something tore down, and this happened and that happened, now I'm behind again, and I'm never going to get ahead, 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 I'm always going to be in debt, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to get out of debt, because I'm always going to be in debt. And we just call dead things dead. I'm glad when God looked at me and you and we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he didn't say dead things. I'm glad he said, come to life. I'm glad he said, Lazarus, come forth out of that grave. See, the Bible says that God calls those things that do not exist as though they do. God speaks into existence the thing that he desires to happen. Now, let me just interject this right here, because sometimes when you talk about the power of words, we, we, can, get, we can get extreme. So if you imagine yourself driving down the highway, if you go far, too far to the left, you're going to end up in the ditch. If you go too far to the right, you're going to end up in the ditch. How many know there's a place of balance right there in the middle? Sometimes you start talking about words and people are like, they can't even carry on a normal conversation anymore because they're afraid to say anything negative. You, you need to be able to communicate a reality of what's going on. The Bible doesn't say that God denies those things that exist. He just calls those things that don't exist as though they are. So if you've been diagnosed with something, it's okay to say I've been diagnosed with something. Just don't allow that diagnosis to become your death sentence. Right? It's okay to be diagnosed. Praise God for the diagnosis. Now you know how to fight. Now you know how to war. Now you know how to pray. Now you know what you need to speak, right? You need to begin to speak life over the thing that has been declared dead. You need to begin to speak healing over the thing that's been declared sick. You need to begin to speak restoration over the thing that has been declared un unrenewable or unrevivable. Why? Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. And God calls those things that don't exist as though they do. So you don't want to go to either extreme, right? It's not that we can't carry on a normal conversation. But it's also the fact that we don't want to focus on the wrong thing so much that we begin to speak death instead of life over our lives. So God looked at Abraham, who was an old man with no kids, and his wife, who was barren. She was physically unable to have children. And God looked at Abraham, and God says, you are the father of many nations. And then God looks at Gideon, who is hiding from the enemies in the wide press, hoping nobody's going to find him. And he looks at Gideon, he says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He was the biggest wimp in the clan. He's hiding for his life. But God looked at him, and he didn't say what he saw. He said what he wanted. 
He said what he wanted. He wanted a mighty man of valor. He wanted the father of many nations. And so he looked at a dead thing. He looked at a broken thing. He looked at a scared thing. He looked at something that was, had been washed aside and pushed aside. And God spoke life into it and revived it out of the ashes because that's the power of death and life in your tongue. And so the Bible says, God calls those things that do not exist as though they are. Look at Genesis chapter 1. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. And then God said, boy, it's dark out there. That's what we say. Isn't that what we do? We look at our lives. We look at our finances. We look at our families. We look at our relationships. We look at uh, challenges, and we, we see the darkness, and we say, boy, it's dark out there. Boy, it's dark out there. And then we go a step further, and we get on Facebook, and we tell everybody how dark it is. <laughs> boy, it's dark. It's so dark, so broken, so dead. So void. Look at, look, at what, look at what God saw. Look at verse 2. The earth was without form, it was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Man, this was a place with no life, no order, no structure, no nothing. And God looks at this chaos and God says, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be light. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. I want to say this to you today. Your, word, your words will frame your world. Your words will frame your world. And it goes on and it says, not only were the worlds framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are Visible. God spoke into existence the things that he desired. So let's look at that point again on your outline. What you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. Your words create the life that you live. So don't say what you see, don't say what you hear, and don't say what you feel. You ever talk to somebody and say, hey, how you doing today? That's a dangerous question sometimes. You get a five-minute laundry list of how bad their life is. They tell you how bad they feel. They tell you every problem they've had this week. And they tell you every challenge that's going on in their world. Now, again, let me just say this to you. Everybody needs somebody that they can be 100% genuine and honest with. Everybody needs somebody, but that somebody's not everybody. Right? You need to identify your somebody. And that somebody ought to be a spiritually minded individual that's full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit and knows the Word of God from cover to cover. That ought to be the person that you share your struggles, your pain, your heartaches, and your difficulties with. And everybody else is everybody else. That's your somebody. You need to get a somebody. And if you don't have a somebody, you need to find one. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm not it. <laughs> There's a bunch of y'all and one of me. I love you. But you need a somebody that's in your life 
on a daily basis that you talk to on a daily basis, somebody that you can be real with. And you need to take hold of that person and together you can share your struggles and your difficulties and you can war together and you can pray together and you can win together. But when you begin to communicate consistently to other people about your life, you need to speak what you want, not what you got. You need to declare not what you see, not what you feel, not what you hear, but what you want. What do you want? I know what you got. What do you want? Everybody knows what you got. You've been telling them on Facebook for the last six months. What do you want? Not what do you got. What do you want? What do you want out of your life? What do you want to change? What do you believe in God for? What are you trusting God for? What are you putting your faith into? Because that's what you begin to speak. You begin to speak the things that you desire. Why? Because you can have what you say. Mark 11, look at this great scripture. Mark 11, verse 22 and 23, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have, look at that last phrase, whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. So Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain and command it to be removed. And you can have whatever you say. The problem is, instead of speaking to our mountains, most of us are creating mountains with our words. Most people are creating mountains. And let me just jump on this bandwagon. The Holy Spirit just quickened my heart to this this morning. I am so grieved by the names that I hear parents call their kids. And the reason it grieves me is because when they become adults, I end up walking through an encounter with them, and they're having to overcome a mountain that was built in their life as a child because somebody called them stupid or dumb or ugly or a failure or no good or even a lot of stuff a whole lot worse than that. If you're going to give your kid a nickname, give them something that speaks life to them. Don't call them the klutz. Don't call them the clumsy one. Don't call them the failure. Don't call them the mistake. Don't call them those things. Speak life and not death. Speak life and not death. Speak life and not death. You don't want to create a mountain that they're going to have to overcome for the rest of their life because they have this self-image that's been established by the words of their parents and spoken over them. You want to move mountains out of their life so they can walk in the fullness and the glory that God has for them. Speak life. And so make sure that when you give those words, give words that affirm and confirm and call out the good things that God has. we got three kids. Jessica's my oldest. She's my angel. Uh, Samantha's my second to oldest. She's my second daughter. She's my princess. And Levi's our youngest son. He's Levi the great champion of the world. That's their nicknames. That's what I call them. Why? Because I call them what I want them to be. My angel, my princess, a champion. Right? Not a clumsy failure. Not this, not that. Speak life and not death. Why? Because your words can create mountains or your words can move mountains. And you can have whatever you say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Look at that next point. So let's talk about what I just want to call another level of word power. Another level level of word power because 
there's another level. Here it is, right? Another level of word power is don't just say what you want. That's good. Say what God says. Don't just say what you want, right? If you want something that's good and holy and righteous and pure, then that's good. That's God. But don't just stop with saying what you want. Go a step further and begin to say what God says. Say what God says. Why? Because your words have power, but God's word has another level of authority beyond your words. God's word is the ultimate power of authority that is released in the world. Everything you see was created by the word of God. God spoke the world into existence. So when my words line up with God's word, it releases another level of authority that begins to work on my behalf. Look what the scripture says here. Let me give you another scripture. Jeremiah 23, 29. God says, it's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Man, you got a hard thing in your life? You got an addiction in your life? You got a stronghold in your life? You got a problem, a difficulty in your life? You got a mountain in your life? Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak to that mountain. Command it to be removed. Declare life and blessing and favor and grace and goodness and truth over that mountain. You got a wayward child? Speak the word. Let me tell you what your words won't do. Your words will not violate their will because God doesn't violate their will. But your words will create an opportunity and an open door for them to surrender their will to God. Right? We're not going to violate people's wills. That's manipulation and witchcraft. But we are going through the words that we speak and through the prayers that we pray, we are going to create opportunities and open doors in the people's lives that we love so they can surrender and submit their will to a holy God and experience the life and purpose that God has for them. God's word is a hammer. So instead of calling that guy that you love, now think about this, this is so crazy, our family members that we love, right, we'll say they're hard-headed, they're stubborn, they're rebellious, they've hardened their heart against God, they've turned their backs on God, they're this and they're that and they're this and they're that. And all we're doing is we're cursing the person we're wanting to see God save. What would happen if we said, God, I thank you that you're giving this person an obedient, submissive spirit, that you're giving them a hungry heart, that you're giving them a holy hunger, that you're convicting and drawing them under your presence. And Lord, that you're releasing a desire on the inside of them to desire and long for the very things that you have purposed and planned for their life. And so, Lord, today I declare, Lord, that there is an obedient, submissive spirit, there is a humble heart, there is a repentant heart in their life. And Lord, I bless them and declare life over them. I call them out of darkness into the glorious light, and I release your favor and your grace upon them. I declare that it's not your will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and Lord that you desire above all things that they would turn from their sin and know you as their Lord and Savior and so Lord I declare your blessing and your favor over them that's a whole lot better than they're a hard-headed stubborn rebellious individual now every now and then maybe you need to confront them and tell them that's what they are and then you need to share the gospel with them right every now and then they need a real confrontation with truth but our words consistently right let's stay out of the ditches our words Need to be life and not death. Let me give you two more scriptures. Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Heaven and earth honors your word, but God watches over his word to perform it. When your words agree with God's words, all of heaven gets involved, amen, to do what God has said he would do. Isaiah 55, we read this last Sunday, so shall my word be 
that goes forth out of my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish what that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it God says my word will do what I said it would do it will accomplish what I said it will accomplish and it will fulfill what I said it would fulfill so when we begin to speak the word great things happen alright let me give you some homework alright flip your page over I want to help you right I want to help you today I want to help you Four things, right? Four things you wrote down last week. Write them down again. Personal, spiritual, relational, financial. Personal, spiritual, relational, financial. I want to give you this, and we're going to wrap up with this. I'm going to send you home. This is important. Personal change. What's an area of personal change? Spiritual change, relational change, financial change that you want to see happen in your life. So here's what we want to do. We call them a confession of faith. We just want to begin to confess over our lives what God says. Right? So in the area of your personal life, I want you to go home and I want you to identify a confession of faith that you want to speak over your life. If there's an area personally that you want to change, you need to begin to speak the Word of God over your life in that area. Now most of you know, right, I've been for the last nine, ten months, I've been losing weight and getting in shape. And what you don't know is every day that's what I say. I say, Lord, I thank you that today I'm losing weight and getting in shape. I'm losing weight and getting in shape. I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. Why am I losing weight and getting in shape? Because the Bible says my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that I should honor God in my body and my spirit, which both belong to the Lord. I want to live long and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, up until the day I die. Amen. And so I, I want to lose weight and get in shape. Well, you know what happens with people? People say, Pastor Keith, it's just so hard to lose weight. It's not hard. It's not hard. Not hard at all. Two things. All you got to do. Eat right and exercise. It's not hard. Not hard to lose weight. Eat right, exercise. 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 And every person on the planet can lose weight. But you know what we say? It's hard. 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 And then we come up with really, you know, I did this study, Pastor Keith. The people of my body type really can't lose weight. Hey, I don't care if you lose weight or not. That's between you and God. But the reality is simply this: if there's a personal area of change, you need to begin to speak life and not death. If you really want to change an area of your personal life, speak life and not death. Spiritually, what do you want to happen in your life? Here's a confession I make almost every day. God, I thank you today. I'm a soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-stomping Christian. And every day I'm reaching out and I'm raising people up in their full potential in Christ. That's who I am. I'm a soul winner. I'm a devil stomper. I'm a disciple maker. And every day I'm reaching out and raising people up in their full potential in Jesus Christ. I say that almost every day. Just a simple confession of faith. Why? Because I want to do what Jesus did. Jesus won souls, he made disciples, he destroyed the works of the devil. He reached down into a broken, hurting world, and he raised us up into our full potential in Jesus Christ. And I want to do what he did. As a matter of fact, God, I want to do greater works than Jesus did because that's what you said I could do. Amen? Relationally. What about relationally? Every day I speak, just about every day, I speak, I speak blessing over my marriage. Lord, I thank you that Kelly and I are growing closer together every day. That we are loving, learning, leading, and laughing together more than we ever have before. And I had to add that laughing thing because we don't laugh enough around our house. Somebody told me yesterday, Pastor Keith, he's kind of serious. And I, I am kind of serious. So I want to laugh more. So guess what? I've started confessing that laughter is a part of my life. That don't mean I got good jokes. It just means I'm going to laugh more, right? I confess healthy relationships over my family, healthy relationships over the church. 
The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so I want to be that kind of person that I'm going to cultivate healthy relationships with people. Here's a little something fun you can do, and I'll just share this with you. Uh, we were on vacation last week, went to Myrtle Beach and, and spent the week, me and Kelly and Levi together. And uh, a part of our vacation, we had a daily quiet time and devotion together. And we're reading a book together. And uh, so we were actually, our devotion was on words. And so we were sitting there talking about our words and the power of our words. And so we, I just had this idea. I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we make a, a, a daily confession using our name, our first name? So my name's Keith, K-E-I-T-H. So here's my daily confession. I am kind, encouraging, inspiring, trustworthy, and heroic. You could do that. You could take your name and just make a little daily confession. You could change it. There's a lot of K's and E's and I's and right. You could change it every day if you wanted to. Just a simple way to take your name and make a daily confession over your life. If somebody's got a P in their name, you could be patient. I thought about Stephen. He can be supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. He can't hear a word I'm saying. He's got those earbuds in. Hello, Facebook world. Isn't that awesome? Just smile. Smile at me, Stephen. Financial. Let me give you this last financial thought. All right, financial. You need to confess finances over your life. I read a book while we were gone, and in the book, the guy made this statement. He said, every 60 seconds, somebody becomes a millionaire. Every 60 seconds, somebody becomes a millionaire. I said, God, I want to be a millionaire. So I started last week, I started confession. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to make millions, and I'm going to give millions away. I'm going to make millions, and I'm going to give millions away. I want to get to that point where I live on 10% and give 90% of my income away, and I want to live well. I thought, Lord, there's people every 60 seconds, somebody's becoming a millionaire. I do good things with money, God. I want to make a million dollars. And so that became my new confession. Kelly and I are now confessing. We're millionaires. Y'all didn't know y'all had a millionaire pastor, did you? Pretty awesome. Anyway, so if you got extra money, I'm just kidding. No. Keep, you, keep your money. Keep your money. All right, here's the good news, right? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Last, last little phrase on, the, on your outline, the butterfly effect. Here it is, right? A small change. A small change in your words can make a big difference. A small change in your words can make a big difference. A small change in your words can make a big difference. A small change.